This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When the spawn meets world. What up, bros? What up, bros? And welcome to Run Meets World. What the spawn meets world? Your boy meets world fun calls. I am Siege. I am Tony Coitus. How are you, sir? Uh, we have so much housekeeping. Like, um, a few things have happened since we last recorded. That said, I did want to do a little morning announcements. We have yeah, so absolutely things that we need to like discuss and and kind of catch up on. Um, the cast has been going to cons all like the Boy Meets World cast has been going to Galaxy Con. I think they were at Chicago Comic Con. Uh, Why are they not doing LA cons? Why can't I go see them? <laughs> I think there will be one. I think it's just like the con schedule. I don't know. I'm not like a con head, whatever. <laughs> uh, William Daniels, 96th birthday. Feeny is and that, Let me just say that. That's the reason why I'm struggling with the fact that they're not doing LA cons because <laughs> William Daniels is only going to these things for so much longer and I need to meet this man. You know, I have an autographed picture of him that I got. Yes! Um, but it, I didn't meet him in person. I got it through eBay. So it was just a, a thing where I really doesn't matter. Um, another thing is uh, Matthew Lawrence dating Chili. We uh, got to talk about this. <laughs> I, I think, have we not mentioned this yet? I think of Matthew Lawrence as a kid still in my head, even though I clearly know he's not. I know as he's not anyone been a kid who knows for forever. Me knows that I am all about the Lawrence brothers and they are not, they are men. <laughs> you're right. But you're right. They, are, they have their own podcast now, Brotherly Love, which they actually sense. have a great podcast. Like they're, they're doing really well with their podcast. I'm liking it. And they're all looking great. Like, it's just, it's amazing yep. to me. Like, seeing, there was, like, a TikTok where, like, Chili's doing a dance with each one of them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the bright amount of cringe, but also nostalgia in a way that I'm like, you know what? You guys are living life, being happy. I'm enjoying it. Um, Another thing that I wanted to call out, because it's so important, especially to us. I don't know if you know. Um, It happened a few months ago now for us, but... Um, a writer for the show named Matthew Nelson passed away recently. Mm. Um, and he was a writer and story editor for Boy Meets World. And he's so important to us specifically because he wrote the lines, dream, try, and do Aww. good. Um, so I definitely wanted to like make sure we recognize him um, and you know, shout out his family. Hopefully everyone's taking care of themselves. But yeah. Like specifically, Matthew Nelson has, you know, been a part of sixty-nine episodes of Boy Meets World. Wow, exactly. So I just wanted to make sure that we give him a shout out, um, and just know that he was appreciated um, by us and and by his fans. Okay, um, just real real quick, I just want to Matthew Nelson. He wrote Career Day. He did um, Hometown Hero, The Double Lie, New Friends and Old, Fishing for Verna, 16 Candles and 400 Pound Men, Long Walk to Pittsburgh, Part 1, Bro, Chasing Angela, Brothers, Torn Between Lovers, <laughs> Graduation, Everybody yeah. Loves Stewart. Yeah. He wrote the he wrote a lot episode of... we just did, and then yeah. he wrote the finale. Wow. Wow. 
Yeah, he wrote a lot of really impactful episodes. So I definitely want to give him a shout out and, and make sure that we just took a moment. Speaking of shout outs, you guys have been so great at just keeping in touch with us as we've been like in the weeds of it all. Uh, so we do want to shout you guys out a little bit. First letter that we have is from Natalie. Natalie says, I discovered your podcast after I recently listened to your appearance on Pod Meets World and I've been binging all of our episodes. Wow. You two are excellent podcasters and have such great chemistry. I'm a white woman and listening to your perspective of the show has been invaluable to me. I love how neither of you hold back your feelings. I just listened to the episode you recorded about uh, Sean, where Sean shoves Angela and faces no repercussions. The harsh criticism you two share was great. The writers truly effed up and even by 90s standards, so grateful for your podcast. Keep it up again, Natalie. So you for that natalie absolutely uh and then also i do want to say we i expect uh this is a very white show so i assume a lot of our listeners are white (laughs) um and we appreciate it keep giving us the feedback even if we had someone who left us like a very low review um but i feel like their low review was that um what is it called last tango in philly was missing and which okay guys yeah, we understand. We know Last Tango in Philly is missing from the collection. For whatever reason, we recorded this episode. We don't know what happened to it, but we will re-record it. We will put it back out. We will, we're working on it. It's coming, just so you guys know. Um, the next letter is from Clarissa. Clarissa says, I'm a new listener. Came to you guys from Pod Meets World. I'm, you know what? It, it, that, that synergy, it's working. Uh- I love it. <laughs> anyway, I love the pod. And even though I'm not Black, I'm a person of color and I love your podcast and I can really relate to your point of view. Um, I just started watching the Wonder Years, never saw it. And I saw that Ben was in the episode, um, season three, episode 14, where he Mm -hmm. plays Cupid. Uh, I just listened to the Everybody Loves Stewart episode and thought it was very relevant and also uh, kind of changed how I started watching Wonder Years. Anyway, love the pod. You're doing (laughs) Clarissa. Um, And T, what do you say to that? What do you say to Clarissa? You, you know, okay, so we kind of touched on last week how I was talking about like, oh, you know, we were talking Ben, ben going into politics. And I was like, Did this dude ever really want to be an actor? And that Wonder Years episode was the first thing I thought of because I was like, this kid was too young to even understand what he was thrown into. So I completely understand that. And man, the Wonder Years. It's so interesting because I view uh, Fred Savage in the same way I kind of view Corey Matthews, the character, in the sense of, yeah, there's so much that's like problematic, but it's also kind of like a perfect reflection of like men of a certain time period. And in that way, I feel like it's kind of, there's value to be gained from still being able to go back and rewatch it because you're seeing the perspective and the worldview of a group of, you know, predominantly white men writers who were trying to educate others. So that's always really interesting to take away from it. We've been rewatching Mad Men and Ugh, well, watching, you know, watching Dawn is just very, very much like you're like, we used to idolize this man. Like this, this is all tragedy. It's like it's mm-hmm. but it's 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 great to see and be it's a great cautionary tale. And I feel that way about Fred Savage and a lot of what we're watching now. We're we're gonna get into it. Um the last one I wanted to read is um a review that someone left for us on um Apple Podcasts. It says for fans. Um, by fans, 
five stars. This is from Pastor Chow. Says, I've tried several podcasts for Boy Meets World, and this one is by far away the best. I was hooked early by their analysis and ability to make you laugh out loud one moment and take a deep and take you deep the next. Interestingly, interesting to reevaluate the way the episodes hit from when I was first watching as a kid versus today. Love to tell me about it. Feeny taught me bra moments. Some great guests too, but these two have great commentary and chemistry on their own. Keep up the good word. And their Insta is fire too. So. <laughs> Guys, we cannot thank you enough for all these kind words. Like, I, again, like for the longest time, we didn't think anyone was paying attention to us. So just to get any kind of like, hey, I, we like what you're doing. Keep up the good work always feels amazing. So we, we appreciate that. And last but not least, uh, we just want to remind you guys that if you want to write us or reach out to us, even um, you can go to our website and become monthly supporters. We already have people who are doing it. Uh, thank you, Krista Boljanski, I think it is. She's yes. out here. She's supporting us. We appreciate it. Give us that De Niro. Uh, also, remember, as we always said, you guys can find us on Stitcher. Um, Apple Podcasts, any place that you're listening, leave us a rating. We really appreciate the ratings. Uh, leave us a voicemail and just continue to reach out. Now for the part that you came for this episode. Are you ready? This, you epi ready this episode? Uh, am I ready to talk about this episode? Um, I have some strong thoughts. Let's just kind of start off with the tell me about it and then we'll get into it because I too have a lot that I would like to say. Okay. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> tell me about it. <clears throat> Tell us about it. Corey really don't give a fuck about anyone other than himself, even when his own mother is going through hell. So sad. So sad. Okay, this is season six, episode 16, My Baby Valentine. Corey becomes upset when Topanga seems less interested in spending Valentine's Day with him than with consoling a Amy about the last stages of her pregnancy. So when Topanga decides to cheer Amy up with a baby shower, Corey takes charge. Unfortunately, his concept of a baby shower turns out to be a female version of a bachelor party, complete with pizza guy stripper. <laughs> but the disgusted guests are distracted when Amy's water breaks, and she is rushed to the hospital for a premature delivery, one which the new baby may not survive. Meanwhile, Sean is still on the road to nowhere. Morgan is less than happy about the arrival of her new sibling, and Jack and Rachel worry about the effects of revealing their relationship to Eric, who announces that he already knows and is moving out. A lot, a lot is going on in this episode. Uh, and yet, there's one thing that kind of dominates <laughs> my feelings about this episode. But uh, I, I'm going to take a step back and ask T, what, what were your first thoughts? Uh, my first thoughts is that Corey got a stripper for his mom's baby shower. And I don't know how to justify that decision. Regardless of anything I've seen from Corey Matthews, there is nothing within the history of the show that justifies that decision. And I just, I, I don't get me wrong. This episode has a lot of problems. There's a lot <laughs> to talk about. I'm pretty sure like Corey is a textbook narcissist. But oh, Absolutely. This whole thing with the stripper was the thing that is my bruh moment from this whole season, <laughs> perhaps. I don't know. It was wild shit. What, what did you think? Uh, like, the stripper moment was in crazy 
not only because it was a bachelor party, or not a bachelor, a baby, a, a baby shower. shower for his mom, but Morgan is right there. <laughs> his and he sees sister. No problem with it. There's a like, like you guys know how we feel about like subtle contests, and this is a perfect segue to like just get us into the first scene. But like, there's a lot of, I don't know how to say it other than what could be interpreted as positive uh, masculinity and comfort in sexuality, because we open up with Corey, of course, talking about his Valentine's Day plans, and I immediately know that he's talking to Sean, and there's that moment that we get of like Corey saying. Aren't you gonna say happy Valentine's Day to me? Like say they do it. the relationship <laughs> phone bit. They've done this a few times where they just they're talking on the phone. The, the episode I, I think of is when uh Sean was dating that girl who hated yep. Corey in like yep. season four and they had to pretend breakup. But yeah, that whole aren't you gonna say it? Aren't you gonna say it on the phone thing? It's a bit they've done, but it's classic Corey and Sean at this point. Yeah, exactly. And like, but I like the idea that the cowboys in line were like, there's nothing wrong with telling a man happy Valentine's Day. And yeah. Fact, Lucas, I got you some chocolate. And again, it's like, what I like about it is it's not, even though it's played for laughs, it's not sexual. It's not like these guys are secretly gay or, you know, it's not like a YMCA joke, you know, or village people or anything like that. It's seriously just like a, there's nothing wrong with telling your friend happy Valentine's Day and and thinking of them and caring for them. And I thought that that was like a really positive moment of masculinity. Totally. That was probably the the best version of like male positive bromance um what i didn't like was like a few seconds before that Corey's like so what are you wearing and it just seems <laughs> like the writers can't decide if they're making a joke out of this or if they're trying to like change the attitude towards men showing affection towards each other because in one end it's like played for this massive joke of just like well i'm wearing this what are you wearing but on the other end they're like hey there's nothing wrong with just saying happy i i, I just wonder like I, I don't know what to take away from that. I like I, agree I thought it was because, positive, but I feel like they can't decide how to take it. I completely agree because it's a situation where um later in the episode, when we're talking about the stripper, Corey says, I spent all day looking for a hot guy for you. And it's this again, it's this thing where it's just like it's no one questions Corey's sexuality. It's just like that's what he wanted to do, and he wanted to make sure the guy was hot and it's like this weird thing to do, but also the representation was pretty well done. It wasn't made for a joke. And then later on, when Jack and Eric are talking, Jack's like, sorry, Eric's like, do you not like girls? And he's like, no, I like girls. He's like, it's okay if you don't like girls. And it's, again, it's this thing of kind of acceptance, but also kind of a joke, but for the most part, I I like... kind of acceptance and kind of a joke was the best you could hope for in terms of the nineties. Like That's I don't I'm know, saying. like it it's, it stands out. But I want I guess I wanted to start on a high note because everything else from Corey, the rest of the episode is just chaotic and so narcissistic, and I really really like the idea of them bringing up this conversation. But I'm mad that they don't finish it. And what I mean by that is throughout the episode, Corey is like trying to force him and Topanga to have one-on-one -on -one time for Valentine's Day. Because as he pointed out, one yes, year thank you. Ago, 
one year what? ago, he was caught cheating. <laughs> he says, I need thing. to make up Valentine's Day because last year was such a mess. I have to do it over again. And then Topanga's like, oh, you mean we weren't together because you cheated on me? And he's like, yeah. And then you kiss that other guy. Still equating the two. A year later, he's learned nothing. Well, not only that, I thought about it. To me, that made me realize how short of amount of time it's been that that happened and they got engaged. It's been less than a year than he was cheating on her and then they got engaged. They got and engaged maybe two months, a month after they got back together. If you look at the timeline of it, I just, I mean, they were back together after spring break and then they got engaged on graduation. Bruh. Exactly. And it hasn't even been a year long engagement. This is their first Valentine's Day as an engaged couple. And I like that Topanga was like, there are other things going on in the world right now, such as your mother who is about to give birth and is clearly going through some things. And Corey can just cannot see past that. He's just like, this is supposed to be us. But it comes from a selfish place. It comes from a, I need you to forget about last year. So... I need to make up this year so we only have positive Valentine's Day moving forward. Again, it's this romantic, idealized version of a relationship and not an actual lived-in relationship. I, I'm a little upset with the way the show handles Corey in this episode because I feel like the concept of, hey, major life-altering things can happen at a moment's notice and you need to be able to just drop your plans and go with the flow is a great lesson, but unfortunately, we can't even take away from that because Corey is so narcissistic, he's so selfish, he's so conceited that it's it kind of uh, bypasses that whole lesson because the lesson now becomes don't be a selfish dick. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we, we're not able to take away a real lesson because we're watching this being like, oh, so just don't be like Corey, got it. Like, I, I don't know what else to walk away with. And I, we'll get to the Feeny lesson later. But that, as I was watching, it, I was just like, man, this whole thing's change. You have to be ready to just like go with the flow is something that would be super important. I just wish that they would have just like nurtured that story a little bit more to make us earn it versus like just having Corey just be such an extreme that his behavior is just like kind of cancels out the entire lesson. It felt almost sitcom like arrogance you know like it felt homer simpson-esque level cartoonish of, for sure yeah like 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 just the idea that again he like topanga is like i want to throw your mom a baby shower and he goes i'll do it and immediately i'm like way to recenter yourself in this narrative um, he implies that Topanga, Topanga tries to help literally everyone else in this episode, and every single time Corey implies that she's being selfish. And I was just like, wow, this is really kind of like manipulative and unhealthy. Like, it's just not a good dynamic. Well, again, what he he said that he's it is manipulative. He says he wants to throw it so that way he can make sure everyone's gone by noon. And then he throws a terrible baby shower. As a matter of fact, he was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was like, not only was that, like, very clear, but also it's just rude. Like, Topanga is trying, she specifically tells him, your family will be my family. And I'm trying but to... The way myself. to make that happen is to make me happy first, Topanga. Like Again, it's narcissism. Like, what, what I was trying to say is that Topanga 
is saying, look, my family isn't around. We spend all the time with your family. I'm trying to be a part of your family. And I see a need. I see your sister feeling ignored. I see your mother feeling not good about her pregnancy. And there is this kind of vacuum that needs to be filled. And nobody else is willing to fill it. And I'm smart enough and aware enough to try. And Corey completely railroads, um, steamrolls over all of that. It makes it about him needing to have the perfect Valentine's Day. And if you want to talk about narcissism, it's this idea of doing a good thing for the wrong reasons. This idea that he's like, oh, I'm wrong because I want to spend Valentine's Day with my girlfriend the day that you're supposed to spend uh, with your girlfriend. And it's like, no, it's not that you want to do that. It's that everything must come to a stop to revolve around Corey's plans. That's the problem. That's what everyone And he's just about. he wants to control everything. I want to control the party. I want to control what happens at the party. I want to control when it ends. I want to control what we do. I made these reservations a year ago. We weren't even together a year ago. Like it's just like there just seems like he has this need to just be like in control of all these situations and that he has a plot in his head. And if things don't go according to how he envisioned it, he starts to freak out and break down. Um Topanga even says as much of just like, there's more important things happening than you and me. And Corey's just like, no, there's nothing more important than me and you other than me. He actually said that to her. And I was like, what Topanga you're just gonna let a comment like that slide like ugh. this is what I'm talking about like that's what I wanted I wanted this episode to have more discussion because when when Topanga says there is like literally a crisis going on right now and you think that we're the most important things and he goes yeah I do and Topanga just kind of gives a look I was like no no the look isn't enough I need you guys to have the conversation because Again, as we know, millions of children are watching this. And even though it's implied that Corey's behavior is wrong, we're not actually saying the quiet part out loud, which is that it is not healthy at any point in time for that relationship to be above any and everything else. Like, it's it's one of those nice guy things where you say, oh, he cares about you and it's romantic and he plans these things. It's like, no, it's controlling. It's manipulative. It's a way to kind of make me indebted to him and him to tell himself and to tell others that he's the nice guy. It's so manipulative to do these nice things but in a way that is completely self-centered and not at all about the other person. Because if you wanted to do something for Topanga, you would have helped her have a good um, baby shower. Like, and that, and I know that wants. this is—I know that this is a two-parter episode. So I know that there's things that will be somewhat resolved, or at least addressed. an attempt to resolve, addressed in the next episode. But. Just from watching this one part, it doesn't feel like the lesson that Corey was supposed to learn is something that is obvious. He, you like know, to your point, no one is calling him out directly for his behavior. And that aha moment at the end, you know, we'll get there. But when they're like, "Hey, you know, this baby might die," right after he says, "There's nothing more important in our relationship." There's not even that I that almost like that realization, that aha of just like, wow, I am a piece of shit. Like none of that. And like, again, I know this is a two-parter, but just for this half not to have any moment where Corey is held accountable or realizes he needs to be held accountable um, 
kind of gives his character permission to keep acting like this. Correct. Like, even though this is a two-parter, first of all, this is one part. Like, this is one episode, and that in that one episode, there needs to be Topanga addressing Corey. Like, like after that announcement, and just being like, see? You know, like, turning to him and being like, the, the world doesn't revolve around you. And the idea that Corey would do all of these things just again in, in an effort to kind of cover up his that all i can see is an effort to cover up his cheating from last year that's it yeah that's it's just kind of like i need Bro, to why why that. even bring it up why even make this about that Corey? like you know what i mean like he didn't have to be like hey remember last valentine's day remember last valentine's day well and it just felt like something he took it upon himself to do and instead of just like you said what does Topanga actually need from me right now? What would make her actually have a good day? He's not asking himself this. He's like, no, she's not doing all the things that I, in my mind, and this is nothing new for Corey. This is the same shit of the taking her to like the fancy restaurant that she doesn't really care about. The This is that same thing that he's always done. And I think that's part of the problem is that this behavior doesn't come out of nowhere. And so when it gets to this extreme like this, you're almost left questioning like, oh, so this is what happens when people don't call out behaviors. Like well, this yeah. got to this extreme to where like a baby might be dying and this motherfucker still doesn't care about anyone but himself. Is yeah. there no, how many red flags do you need to Panga before you just need like, <laughs> I at least need to have a conversation more than this. I honestly, like, I know we're not going to get it. I know we're not, but like, this is the perfect time for them to actually have to Panga be like, I don't know if I can do this because it's not romantic for you to put me above everything. It's actually well, he's not. Kind of he's creepy. putting himself above everything. Topanga's not part of this equation. Yeah, but what I'm saying is just that it's not romantic for you to use me as mm. an excuse to center yourself, yeah. and that's what he's done time and time again. And that's what I'm really having a problem with. I really like reject. It's it's a romanticized version of a relationship and it's so important because we've all grown up with Corey and Topanga and they've been our romanticized version of a relationship so to see the actual flaws in their relationship and see Corey again say verbally that he wants to make the day about him and Topanga but the entire time it's actually just about him and he's ignoring any and everything she says about what she wants that's again that's that's a problem he wants the and romanticized I, version of a relationship and not the relationship he's in totally and i think that this episode suffers a lot from not having more females in the writer's room because i feel like not only is topanga just like not sharing the voice that we all know topanga to have she was always the person who could call Corey out in a way that was meaningful without kind of overstepping um, you have this very interesting dynamic between Morgan and Amy going on that hardly gets any attention. And even Amy herself, like what she's going through is more about the what I think writers have the perception of a pregnant woman of just like, oh, she just cares about looking fat. And it's just like, she's in her 40s. This is this her is fourth kid. She is going through things that are way more significant and important than how I look in a dress or not. And I just felt like 
it, it, they kind of like totally minimize this entire journey that Amy's going through by making it so like superficial about how I look versus like, I'm concerned for my health. I'm concerned for the health of my baby. Like this baby's coming so early. Like there's nothing in her that's like freaking out. She just plays everything normal until the end. And we don't even get to really see her reaction. So I just feel like more women in the writer's room to give all of the women in this episode a voice. You're right. And I don't know if there was a single woman in the writer's room during this time but i will say that the misogyny in this episode is ridiculous guess the weight of the pregnant woman is again it's supposed to be haha Corey made a no it's a terrible insulting thing to do the the fat jokes of a pregnant woman is insensitive um and it's not it's, it's low-hanging fruit it's, it's not so funny hanging fruit and it's not and then there's so I recently, uh, my partner had a surgery and I was kind of like caretaker. So I do understand the need of when someone's going through something medically, you are their person like needing time to yourself. I get that. But what they have Alan say is bowling today, cards tomorrow. I'm a man again. And it's this idea that somehow taking care of your pregnant wife wasn't masculine enough mm. preparing for the child that you helped create is and shopping and all the things that come with it that's not manly stuff manly stuff is ignoring your wife and going off while she's um very close to her due date and you just want to be a man again again it it was this kind of writing that really bothered me that could should have been like an emphasis because I feel like there is an important story to tell about like when you're a caretaker for someone who needs your attention a lot you do need self-care you yes. do need time yes. to like for yourself and I wish he would have just said like oh it would be nice to have time for myself versus I'm a man again the the one thing I just want to quickly talk about why we were just talking about gender and just the way women are handled on the show the thing that drove me really crazy was when Amy's like trying to like move past this baby shower she has no friends. The only women there are the cast members that are friends with her children. It's like, does she not have a single support system that's not her daughter or her, her son's friends? It's just like, what's going on with this woman? Like, she is she is so forgotten about in a season that heavily revolves around her. Correct. And then to that point, I wanted to say, like, it's this is what made me think it was like just nothing but men in the writing room. Let's when Amy opens her gifts, the first gift that she gets is like sexy lingerie, which don't get me wrong, that's something for her, and it's like making her feel good about her body afterwards. I get that, but I think Angela even points out it's a gift for Alan more than it is a gift for Amy, and it's just like they cannot stop centering themselves in this woman's pregnancy. It's ridiculous. There's so many great stories to tell with, as you said, Amy on her fourth child, first and foremost. Amy and the relationship with her daughter and her youngest, who's feeling left out. Totally. Like, there's and it, there's it's not superficial to be like my body is changing not because of myself but because of something else and someone else and i do want to feel desired i do want to feel i don't know if i'll ever feel um like myself again like all of those are great conversations to have that amy could have had with any one of her friends who was there at the baby shower um 
and as you said, or the leftover female characters who are all there. And I also think it's funny that they did. They were like, we need women. So let's have Rachel come. And it's just like they brought all the women in, but they don't really let the women do anything. <laughs> like I'm not really sure why Angela's even there. Honestly, I can't I can't think of a reason why she would just be like, oh, okay, the mother of my ex-boyfriend's best friend is having a party. Sure, I'll come. Like, what? He's Topanga's best friend at this point in time. So she would when, come to support how, Topanga. Where, where, where I, are I'm they best saying, friends? I'm saying that's, that's the story that they're telling themselves. <laughs> However, I don't believe for a second all those women in there, including the ones that we know, would let this baby shower just go on this atrociously. Like, they and, would completely step up and be like... Uh, Go sit down somewhere. The point <laughs> is, is that Amy has shitty friends because none of them, other than the daughter-in-law the day before, was like, hey, let me throw you a baby shower. It's like no one thought to do anything for this woman. Meanwhile, they're seeing this party fall apart at the seams. A stripper shows up saying, I got a hot slice for Mrs. Matthews. And Corey's like, that's her over there. Really excited. No one's stopping this. Everyone's allowing it. And I'm just like, bro, like where are her friends? What's her support system? Like I, that could be one thing. This woman who's like, hey, my entire life is dedicated to my family. I don't really have a support system anymore. Like make that part of the story. Like give us something real. Also, I would have actually liked for Alan, like we get a little bit of Alan kind of chastising Corey, but I would have liked a lot more of Alan being like, your mother, as you said, she dedicates her life to her family. She is doing everything that she can to give, to bring a new life in at a certain age. Why would like, why would you make this about you in this moment? You know like, why Alan doesn't do that? Because he's done it so many times. He's had to bring uh, Corey to his grandfather's house and be like, touch the dirt, see where you come from. Like, appreciate something. Consider someone else's point of view other than your own. Corey has been chastised about this by various cast members. Angela's done it being like, hey, you're overstepping. Like, everyone has done it this season specifically, and it's not working. This dude is doubling down as things are getting progressively worse throughout the episode he's still being like no i'm slash we are still the most important thing and i'm like bro look around you're in the hospital you're in a hospital so two things to that one is the idea that as you said double down it reminded me Corey ruined two parties <laughs> like, I was like, it wasn't enough for you to ruin the baby shower you went to the card game and ruined that too so like like there's that whole thing but then you also have the hospital and i kept thinking that and this can kind of lead us into the b storyline sure i kept thinking jack is back in the hospital yeah that his father died in and it's hasn't been that long can we and pause and talk about that for a little bit that's what i'm saying like i yeah. want to the idea i was like we're back at the hospital and this show just like I guess they kept that swing set around because, like, we've been coming back to this hospital for a while now, and I feel like there would be some sense of PTSD yeah. for so many characters to be like, oh, we just went through this with Chet, and now we're back in the hospital, and it's supposed to be joyous, and then all of a sudden there's this news as well, and I just feel like 
like I feel like everyone would be reacting in a very specific way. I don't know. Maybe I'm projecting, but no, like- no, no, totally. And it, Eric even says as much. He's like, like Jack is trying to talk to him about Rachel, and Eric's like, "Oh, I'm I'm sensing that you're uncomfortable. Are you still grieving your dead dad? Do you want me to not do this party? Like, do you want me to course correct? Like, I thought that was really nice of him." And Jack's like, "Oh, my dad. Oh, I forgot about him. That's not that's not an issue with me at all." And I'm just like, "Dude, this." <laughs> They are not spending any time on this story of Chet and Jack, but whatever. The thing that really took me by surprise is how heavy and dark this season is. To your yeah, point, that. we just lost a central cast member's father in like a really dramatic way. We had the Stewart episode earlier on. Like now there's like a potential dead baby. Like how dark is season six though? For real? Like it's, it's either cartoon like hijinks or it's like general hospital level soap drama. And I just like, I'm if I were a fan of this show from the earlier seasons, I could see me getting detached from the show. In this season specifically, just because it's so dramatic. Well, also remember, Sean's out. Like we, Sean's yeah. out and about. Like he's not here during what is a very sensitive time for the Matthews family. And the Matthews family is his adopted family. Yeah. So again, I just think that there's this episode is frustrating because it hits on so many things but it only lightly touches them and then it moves on and i'm like i want you to pick one of these narratives and actually go deep if you want it to be a dramatic episode then i need you to give me the conversations that we need to be having um do you want to talk about the b storyline with yeah 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 so to that point i would just say i actually think very similar to to panga's being like oh Corey's obsession with me is unhealthy i feel like Jack is using Rachel as a way to cope with his father. And I feel like, again, we kind of hit on this in the previous episode, but I feel like Jack is using Rachel and Rachel is using Jack to fulfill her her loneliness. And they both just kind of have like this sense of like, it's been so long since someone's even cared about me or touched me or anything like in this way. So, and I even kind of like, like they were like, this is, just friends. It's strictly platonic. And I was like, oh, friends with benefits. That's what's crazy is we actually have that term now. Yeah. So it's easier to label. I, I, yeah. I thought that was really funny when they're like, we're just friends and you're literally dry humping on the couch that your roommate could walk into at any moment. Like you but still guys have not learned done that. Like again, yeah. it's, it's, an, it's a term now. It's just, what's funny is it wasn't a term in the nineties. And therefore sure. we immediately go to you're a couple. I'm going to mm-hmm. move out you guys need your alone time. And it's like, no, situationships, friends with benefits, all of those things exist. Like, they're well, they're I, levels of being together, you know? I think what we're trying to, what Jack is trying to say throughout the episode is that it's becoming more than that for him. But to your point, he is clearly using this relationship. And can I just pause and say something about this? Because yeah. I feel like, I, I want to like, talk about this but i want to give jack like a little bit of credit because when you're going through something incredibly hard when you're going through like a deep like something crazy happened and i don't know how to cope with it to have someone come in and be like hey i'm gonna give you feel good endorphins it's like your brain will instinctively be like oh okay let me just latch on to that then and it's such a human thing to do but i just wish that at some point 
that realization of just like, oh, I am kind of using this relationship to fill this hole. I just wish it would come up at some point. I just wish someone would say something to them about it and have the idea plant in there versus just being like, oh no, we think this is love. Yeah, yeah, it's love, it's love. And I'm just like, no, bro, it's clearly not. And like, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. You're right. Like I will look, and I don't know where we're going with this, but again, I doubt we're going to get this kind of just sentence that says, oh, we found each other during these really hard times and that's why we latched on. It's kind of like a trauma bond. Yeah. And I... Like, again, that's very realistic. It's very realistic to throw yourself into something new so you don't have to think about it. It's a form of grief. I get it. And I think on some level, I think Eric gets it. Like, Mm -hmm. I was watching this episode and I was like, this just reminds me that Eric is emotionally intelligent. Like, they keep playing him like as an idiot, but like as emotionally intelligent. He's just like, he understands that they are fighting to not talk to him about it and he also understands that he is right in his feelings like i feel a little bit hurt i feel a little bit betrayed i i know that things will never be the same moving forward they just won't and they're lying to themselves that they don't actually have a connection they're avoiding talking to me about it and so i'm going to be the brave one and just kind of put everything out on the table and like, I just, I think that Eric is really emotionally intelligent in this episode. I think he knew. I think he knew the entire time. I think he was waiting for Jack to just say it to him. I think that in the apartment when he was, you know, putting the party together and he was like, oh, are you uncomfortable about this? Are you uncomfortable about that? I think he was fishing, like giving Jack the window and Jack just didn't take it. And, you know, to your point, like he clearly is able to pick up on all of these things without them ever saying anything to his face. But <laughs> there's one scene where he's like, they're in the hospital. And Eric is looking at all the babies in the window. And then right behind him, Jack is trying to make out with Rachel again. And I'm like, oh, well, there's reflection in glass. Like, you guys, <laughs> part of this reason why he knows is because you guys aren't being chill about it at all. Like, dry humping in the middle of the apartment, like, constantly all over each other. Like, you guys are so obvious. And the lack of self-awareness is very similar to Corey's lack of self-awareness in terms of just, like, not understanding how you're being viewed by the world around you. But I also feel like, to that point, it's what you said. It's the endorphins. Like, Jack literally can't get enough because if they stop, he has to think. You know, like, I mm-hmm. again, I feel like it's true and we're giving the writers way too much credit for, like, putting this line in there. But it completely feels real. And I just kind of yeah. wish it was a little bit more in the script than our interpretations because sure. it, it's it makes sense it's right there you mentioned this already um but the scene where jack jack is trying to tell him and then will's like eric's like hey are you sure you don't like girls like are you sure you like girls like i just thought that was very interesting considering all the fan theories we came because not only does uh eric asked jack about it he goes on to say like i kind of had a feeling and i was just like oh so you're getting the vibes that we're getting too like what's up here let's talk about it these are both bisexual men who have found themselves in a situation and i just like 2023 would explore a storyline because it deserves to be explored there is a intimacy there and again it's not i think people need to be are like I'm trying to be very clear that it's not necessarily always sexual. Sometimes you will realize and you will grow up and realize, oh, I was in love with that person. Mm-hmm. I wasn't necessarily 
like sexually attracted to that person but we had a relationship we had a bond that was more than a friendship and a closeness than it should have been and sometimes that's just because you both were going through college and loneliness and everything together um and there's nothing wrong with that and i just kind of wish that they explored it a little bit because as you said it's it's they're breadcrumbs everywhere (laughs) um there's breadcrumbs everywhere and you know i obviously we're gonna see what happens to their relationship as we go forward and how it fizzles or fizzles out whatever the thing i thought that was the most adorable thing about this was feeny actually being in love was feeny like there's moments where feeny is giggling and giving off like ron swanson energy where i was just like i was filled with so much joy to see feeny giggle like a schoolgirl. where i was just like dude you deserve this like jack i don't care about jacks i want to know what's going on with you and the dean like can we have a storyline about that like that seems like it's a way bigger more romantic thing that's happening that feels more genuine than what's going on with jack and rachel Also, it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, it's, like, again, I liked uh, Eric's side of, that's why she won't go out with me. (laughs) It's, it's, uh, it was a really great thing. Um, Well, I think Feeney's getting laid. I think that's what's happening. Oh, that's what I was He came in with that smile of just, like, I just got some. (laughs) Exactly. In that, I, I just... I kind of wish that we would just acknowledge that. You guys are talking about dead babies. You can't talk about Feeney getting it on. Like, I just, it's it's ridiculous. We've already established that he got it on in the Scream episode. Like, Feeney's not a virgin. You know what I mean? Like, we've talked about this. Exactly. And then also, to that point, I think one of the frustrations that I have is with Corey and Topanga, with Feeney and the Dean, with Jack and Rachel, it's immediately, if you connect as a, a pair, then you're in a relationship. And yep. it's like, there are levels in between. There, There is sex for the sake of sex. That, yep. that exists. And it was happening in the 90s. So I just kind of wish that we kind of would have in some way addressed that without immediately being like, oh, Feeney's in love. Feeney sure. found someone is a great storyline in and of itself. Um, okay, I do want to talk about the ending of the episode. Yeah, same. Just kind of like wrap it out, which is to say, first of all, getting the call, her water broke. Alan is on his fourth kid. This idea of like, can't they just put the water back up or whatever? It's just like, if this was his first kid, maybe that joke would have landed. But I watched this being like, this dude is on his fourth. Yeah. This is, this is, and then also it's early. Yeah, you know, let's go make sure everything's okay well it was such a writer's thing too to have again it feels like every time Corey makes a declaration that like oh she she's going to be pregnant tomorrow why couldn't they have a party another day boom she gets she goes into labor like it's just like Corey. every time he says something there's like a writer's response to like well no actually this is going to happen so also uh, it, i don't think they give you that baby that quickly like so just like immediately <laughs> we're like here we'll give you the baby before we've done any checking and then when they announce oh it's kind of ha- has irregular breathing it's just like, well, why'd you get it back to the man already? Like, yeah. Well, this was the 90s, bro. Like, you could pop out a baby and they'd have you out there fast. Uh, American health insurance. You can't stay longer than a day. They to go wrap them. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say? About oh, you know, that? I was going to say about the ending. Um, you know, I felt like the whole conflict of, hey, there's actually a problem with the baby. There's a few things I want to say about that. One, 
I wish there would have been a, uh, and I'm not going to say I wish, it would have made sense for Amy to have some complications, and that didn't really happen at all. I, I don't even kind of touch on that. I was waiting that. for that. Like, I didn't I didn't know it was the baby. I thought Amy would, like, yeah. especially when they established that the baby was fine, I was like, oh, it's going to be Amy. I kind of wish it was Amy, because in terms of the story that they're trying to tell with Corey, that, hey, there's nothing more important than me, there's nothing more important than my girlfriend, to have his mom be the one who is, like, like, cause his I this whole idea of like, oh yeah, I'm having a sibling, but he doesn't really have an emotional uh, connection to this person he's never met yet. But for his mom, I could see that being a thing. Um, the other thing was that I kind of wanted more from Alan and Amy in terms of like performance, because when Alan comes out and he tells everyone like, hey, there's something wrong with the baby, like. There's been times where Alan, um, where Rusty, I'll say, has given some really phenomenal performances, which like drama, especially when him and Corey are kind of like getting into like a shouting match or something. But I felt like I wanted more. I wanted to see his vulnerability, like to see your dad cry, to see Alan Matthews cry would have been just one of those things of like, oh, we haven't seen this before. This is different. This is bigger. And we didn't really get that. And I kind of wish he would have gotten more emotional and just like try to like maybe hide his tears before he went to talk to Amy, something. And I just didn't really feel like we were getting the emotion out of those two again it's a two-part episode who knows what's going to happen next week i do but we'll wait um <laughs> but again i just wish there would have just been a little bit more heaviness from a performance standpoint and i don't know if they didn't give rusty the ability to he has a very short like window of dialogue but i just wish there was more there i agree and i i also agree with your thing that i thought it was going to be amy and i feel like it would have made more story sense to be amy because sure. you get Morgan, who's kind of resentful of the new baby and not spending time with her mom. And her mom makes this declaration that from here on out, it's going to be me and you until the baby comes. Um, you get Alan, who like can't wait to get away from Amy. And it's just kind of yeah. like, ah, I'm so tired of being the doting husband. And you get Corey, who's just kind of like ignoring everything and making everything about him. So for it to be Amy, someone who we're all invested in and someone that Topanga is trying to herself yeah. kind of like connect with. I feel like we I feel like that would have been the thing. And um, like in terms of just like giving birth late and later in life, like I just feel like that's just like a more realistic thing to go into. And to your point, like, you know, this whole season, Amy's just been kind of like like a like a house for the baby you know what i mean she's yeah. just like yeah yeah she's carrying the baby she's gonna have a baby ha 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 and like no one's like really getting into her experience to turn it and to make it about her experience to just be like oh we kind of all took this woman for granted we all kind of just assumed she would pop out another baby and just continue being a mom that whole like the amy who went back to college who's like i want to be more than a mother like I, I just wish there, were, there was just a lot you could have done with Amy in terms of her emotions, her inner conflicts, how she's feeling about all of this that we still don't really know anything about. Not only that, but like as you said, the performances from Betsy and Rusty are a little muted, and I don't blame them. I like I, you know, it's directing or whatever. But I also feel like if it's Amy that's kind of in trouble, we get great performances from Rusty. And from Betsy, and then this idea that Corey, who's been obsessing and is planning his wedding, his mom may not be there. Like to me, that's way more of a like, oh, what do we do, Alan? You know, like it changes yeah. the dynamic, and it jolts Corey out of the re like illusion that he's created in his head because it checks him to the point like, oh, if the people I love aren't there to watch me get married, then what's this? 
what's this even matter? Like it, it could have just been so much more uh deep into it. I wonder if they thought like, hey, we just killed Chet, we can't have another parent thing. But I would argue that like when you get to a certain age, like I feel like college age is around the time that like a few of your friends start losing their parents. And like it's Correct. like from that point on, it's like it's not unusual for like it to start. I don't know. I had a few friends in late high school, college that lost their parents. And like, it wasn't just one, like it was a few and like it, it's a thing. And so like, I, even if they did kind of tease that something could happen to Amy, I don't feel like it would have been too much with what just happened to Chet. I feel like it would actually made a lot of sense. Absolutely. And again, as you said, like kind of like the repeating pattern of like, Hey, we, again, Jack just being like, I I can't do this again. I just think it's such a more dramatic choice. It would have jolted him out Amy. of the romance with Rachel for him to just be like, actually, I'm I'm not focusing on what I'm actually hurting about. Like it, it would have jolted so much everyone. Better. I just think it jolts everyone. Like again, yeah. I don't know where this is going, but like if I'm Sean and I'm on the road and Amy, like I fear that Amy's at risk, you know, it's like I'm turning the car around. It's this is this has been my surrogate mother. Um it's so much more impactful yeah. and i just think that no offense to the baby but like again they're like it's a boy and it's always the story just has to focus on the the boy and not the women in who are also in the story definitely yeah um bruh moment bruh moment um was Corey getting a stripper from his mother which i actually like again a hot slice for mrs matthews there he is he says giggling the stripper starts to strip in front of his little sister and he is just happiest like just thrilled that just this is all happening and again it's just like such a what the fuck is even Corey's mindset moment like i can't justify this decision as a as a character of Corey, knowing right. him as well as i do for six seasons like i can't think that he would think this was a good idea so it's just strange completely agree um the my bra moment was actually Corey saying to topanga yes you and I are more important than yeah. anything else that's going on here. And then that look that she gives him of like, that's what, yeah, that's concerning. I was like, yeah, no, honestly, for all of these things to be going down and you to still be like, yeah, everything should be about me. That's where that's I was like, villain shit. Yes, exactly. Villain. That's what I'm saying. I was like, wow, they are just unapologetic with Corey this episode. Um, Feeney taught me. I feel like the lesson of this episode is because I feel like Topanga says it a few times and it kind of applies to all the characters. It's like, hey, things change. You may have yeah. your plans, but things change. Corey, I know you thought the Valentine's Day was going to be about this, but unfortunately, life happens and now it's not. Hey, uh, uh, Eric even says to Jack and Rachel, like, um, I have to move out. Like, I know you're thinking that nothing's going to change, but things already have changed. And so, like, Again, that I wish would have been a bigger part of the actual plot, this whole thing of, um, you know, having to, you know, adjust when life takes you off course. That's a wonderful lesson, but it's just not really taught as thoroughly as I'd like. But I think that's still the the ultimate Feeney taught me. What do you think? Um, For me, 
yeah i feel like that is the the overall lesson of this episode that's what they just keep trying to repeat is that life can change that like the drop of a hat and um you just need to be able to kind of go with the flow i feel like that is the ultimate lesson that they want you to take away yeah and i feel like that's that's as good as we're going to get because there's so many other things that are just like coming all over the place yeah. um there is one moment i just want to call out um when Topanga calls uh, him dad, yeah, he goes, I like you calling me dad. Keep doing that. I just thought it was a very sweet moment that I wanted. Sure. To, Definitely. Uh, acknowledge. Uh, what grade are you giving this? <laughs> I'm going to give this episode a C, bro. Like, yeah. I, I, I really just think that, like, Corey is such a, like, cartoonish version of himself i don't recognize this version of Corey, even though it seems in line with him like at this point he is just such a um an extreme version of himself that it's hard to feel like i can throw myself into these storylines like i could in like season three and season four when they're just like oh i'm new in high school and i want to fit in like that's a storyline i can relate to and like the storylines I want to insert myself in, you know, it, it, as a kid watching this show, um, this episode is dark. This episode is really kind of all over a place from a writing perspective. They don't give women the role that they need to have in order to make this episode work. Um, and then Corey's just insufferable. Like he's literally insufferable without consequence. And I think that's the thing. It's one thing to have Corey be insufferable and have him learn lesson. But even with this two-parter, we're going to find out this motherfucker still tries to push all of this on Topanga. We're going to talk about this next week. Everything that's going on with him this week, he's going to be like, it's because of you, Topanga, not because of me. And Topanga's like, oh, maybe you're right. Like, I can't, bro. I can't. I can't. Apparently you can't because all you had to do was hold it till next week. But <laughs> uh... <laughs> Spoiler alert. But either way, I'm excited to, to figure out how they do that. And I think yeah. what you said is really interesting because what I'm realizing is I not only do I not like Corey, I don't want to be like, I think the thing about Boy Meets World that was always interesting is that you could like put yourself in Corey's shoes and be like, oh, I've gone through that experience or whatever. He was the everyman. And now yeah. he's a very specific kind of dude that you don't want to be. Correct. It's almost his character in this episode is almost Archie Bunkerish in the sense of what I mean by that. And again, like I said, Homer Simpson's in the sense that you are doing everything so wrong that I actually pity everyone else in the scene rather than I uh, empathize or get anything that you're doing. He um, has a, he's sociopathic in his lack of empathy for others in a way that's just like, can we pause the show and just talk about what the fuck's going on with this dude? Like, I don't know that any of this other stuff matters when you have a dude like that in your, on your bench. And again, who knows if he'll ever get any consequences from this, but it's just one of those things that like, if we went to girl meets world and it's like, Oh yeah, they're not together anymore. I'd be like, yep. Again, it makes sense. Uh, I, to all that said, I'm going to also give it a C. I will, I will say there's a lot going on in here. That's like, even though I don't like the arcs, I feel like this was a well-written and a lot of stuff happens in 30 minutes. So I'm gonna give it a C plus. But again, it's more so like from the number of things that they are able to put in and kind of address and not because I feel like any of it really landed. Um, homework. What you got? 
Homework. Um, it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, why don't you start with homework? I'm gonna I'm gonna okay. think about this a little bit. Oh, yeah, I yeah. have one. Uh, so to this point, everything that we were talking about, uh, I recently checked out Kevin can go. Fuck oh himself. yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen it? No, but I think Yasmin gave that to us as homework the last time she was on. Did she? Okay, yeah. I will. I will say, and, and I think maybe you're right. Either way, if this is a repeat, whatever. I watched it and so fascinated by it. Um, again, it's a episode, or sorry, it's a show where whenever um, this woman is in the room with her husband, it's like a sitcom. It's yeah. that three camera sitcom format, the lighting, everything about it. And then the moment he leaves the room, everything becomes like an AMC drama. And it's really like I, I just really enjoyed watching it. I thought it was so fascinating. Uh, I think it's a really great example of like someone, a character like Topanga in this episode, yeah. where like Corey makes everything about him and it's played for laughs. But the moment he leaves, you get to sit with the partner and actually question what just happened. And the woman who created it said that she wanted to think about. Or she wanted to showcase what we've been laughing at all these years. Like, mm. all the characters, all the women, all the wives who are, like, the butt of the joke in these sitcoms, what's their reality really like? Ugh. And, again, um, I, I don't think I did, but if I did, I'm just re- repeating the whole work. You guys should definitely check it out. I think it's it's phenomenal just in the concept of Blown. I've only seen season one, but, uh, yeah, Kevin can fuck himself. Pretty, pretty um, good. yeah. For my homework, I'm actually going to recommend some music. Ooh. Um, yeah, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to In Pieces, the new album from Chloe Bailey. Um, I did not, I've heard things. <laughs> it's, I actually really like it. Like, what I like about this album is that it feels like it's all telling the story of like a single like breakup or something like that. So it kind of all tells one story, but just like. I don't know. I'm I'm really into just everything that Chloe's been doing from like a musical standpoint. Like I feel like she is the Beyonce protege that like she was destined to be. And between her and everything I'm seeing with Haley doing um Little Mermaid, like I'm just really like excited for these girls and what they're doing in the world. So I just wanted to throw out there that I thought the album had some great songs on it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh thank you guys for listening. As always, as you said earlier, please leave us a rating. Please reach out. We appreciate hearing from you guys. Thank you for taking this journey with us. Uh we will be back next week with a new episode. Uh T, is there anything else? Uh nothing for me, but I think we should remind our audience to tr- dream. <laughs> I'm gonna let you do that again. <laughs> please. So Not remind- really. But I think we should remind our audience to dream, to try, and do good. Do some good. Thanks. Later, bros. Later, bro. Why? Why'd you do it? <laughs> <laughs> when the storm meets world.